Welcome to Be Set Free, the radio outreach of Whitefields Community Church in Longmont, Colorado. Be Set Free features the teaching ministry of Pastor Nick Cady. Pastor Nick's desire is to bring the gospel into our lives so we can experience the joy and freedom that can only be found through Jesus. Today's message comes from our series, Desiring the Kingdom, a study of the books of First and Second Kings. Here's Pastor Nick. while he knows some stuff and he knows what's best for you and he absolutely loves you he wants what's best for you he doesn't want to see you suffering unnecessarily he wants to see you joyful and thriving so here's what we see throughout the bible we see it in the life of solomon and, and elsewhere as well you could put it this way holiness leads to happiness holiness leads to happiness but sin leads to pain heartache sorrow and ultimately death We are going to see that play out in the life of Solomon. See, what we have here, we're seeing now in seed form what is going to take root in Solomon's life and is going to come to full flower, and that flower is not going to be good. You see, all of us have a divided heart to one degree or another. All of us have crouching sins in our lives. And the question is, will you feed them or will you starve them? Will you give Satan a foothold in your life, a way to get established, right? An opening, an in. Or will you surround yourself with people and practices and rhythms which will help to build and strengthen the parts of your heart which love the Lord and desire to walk in his ways. You know, that's why we encourage you guys. Rhythms are so important. Community groups, taking communion, being at church, right? Because what are you doing? As you do these things, you're training your heart. You are training your heart to love certain things and starve other things. You're feeding and starving when you do these practices. Augustine, St. Augustine, he had this thing where he said, you know, most of us, the sins in our lives, the idolatries, the way that we walk away from God, it it isn't usually conscious. Like we don't just sit down and make a conscious decision. I'm going to go apostate today, right? No. He says we walk into them one step at a time. Therefore, the way to walk out of those things is one step at a time through rhythms, through, through surrounding ourselves, through forming ourselves into certain kinds of people, through practices. And so that's why we are always encouraging you guys. And I want to encourage you, now is a perfect time to join a community group. If you haven't done so yet, we want you to contact us and let us know. We'll get you in a group. They're starting up right now. But here's the point. Even at this early stage in his time as king, Solomon was a man with a divided heart. What we're seeing here are the seeds of something that's going to come into full flower later in Solomon's life, and it will destroy him. Ultimately, it will lead to the destruction of of Israel. And, And this is meant to be a warning for us, right? So that we can deal with the crouching sins in our lives before it's too late. The second area where we see Solomon's divided heart is in regard to what are called the high places, making sacrifices in the high places. Now, just to make it really simple for you, the the deal with the high places is this. They were unregulated places of worship. They were altars that were set up. and, And you could think of them as like, public altars where people came to make sacrifices to whatever gods they worship. So if you were an Israelite, you would go to one of these public altars and you would make a sacrifice to Yahweh. But the next guy in line behind you, he, he's going to use that same altar to make a sacrifice to whatever pagan god he worships. And this was, this was forbidden, by the way, in the 
law of Moses, right? They were, it was allowed to have certain altars, but they had to be regulated and they could never be used for pagan practice. Now, there was a great high place in Gibeon. We read about that in just a minute here. And that is where the tabernacle was located. Now, later on, when the temple is built, all of the high places, including the regulated ones, like the ones at Shiloh and the one at Gilgal and Hebron, they are going to be shut down and all of the uh, worship of Israel is going to be centralized into the temple. But the problem with Solomon is not that he's going to the regulated high places, right? The, the specific ones is that he was going to these kind of public altars, which were used for mixed purposes, for worshiping God and worshiping pagan idols. And the reason that was wrong is because God had said, no, don't do that. Don't mix those things ever. And yet Solomon did it anyway. So again, this is an issue of Solomon having a compromised and a divided heart. And you can imagine it probably started with some kind of excuse, like saying, well, you know, I'm still worshiping God, so it's not that big of a deal. But again, the, per the point is Solomon is not following God fully. He's making excuses, blurring the lines, coloring outside the lines. And again, sin is like this crouching tiger that presents itself as something uh, innocent, something you don't need to worry about, something that's not as dangerous as it truly is. But as you keep feeding it, as you keep making excuses, eventually what happens is that it grows and it will overcome you and it will devour you. And that is what we're going to see happen. Sadly, in the life of Solomon, we see the seeds of it here right at the beginning of his reign as king. So we see this next section we see here is a noble request, a noble request. It says in verse 4, Solomon went up to Gibeon, where there was the great high place. And the reason it's called the great high place is because at this time, Gibeon was the place where the tabernacle was located. So the tabernacle, if you're not familiar with that term, before the temple was built, for 500 years, the worship of Israel was centered in this big tent called the tabernacle. And they took it with them as they traveled through the wilderness and into the promised land. And they set it up at different places. King Saul, we read, moved the tabernacle to Gibeon. That's where it is right now when this is written. Now, David had moved the Ark of the Covenant to Jerusalem. But at this time, the Ark of the Covenant was in Jerusalem, but the tabernacle was still in Gibeon. Now, but Here's what we know. What is this ceremony? It says that he sacrificed a thousand animals. Now just, that's a lot of work, by the way. And it's a ton of money. What is this? It tells us in 2 Chronicles chapter 1 that this was actually Solomon's inauguration ceremony as king. And here's what we read at the end of this inauguration ceremony. It tells us in verse 5, Solomon went to sleep that night, and that night God spoke to him in a dream. Now, God does, not every time you have a dream is it God speaking. We see, really, the, the number of significant dreams in the Bible is, is actually quite small compared to the amount of time that the Bible covers. But in this dream, God spoke to Solomon, and here's what he said. Ask whatever you want, and I'll give it to you. Now, now we look at that, and I, I think that many of us look at that, and we say, Wow, what an incredible offer. I wish that someday God would give me that kind of offer because I know exactly what I would ask for, right? If I could ask for anything I want, I wish that God would do that for me. Well, guess what? I've got good news for you, and that is this. God has made that same offer to me and to you in Jesus Christ. Did you know that? Let me, let me read you a couple passages. In Matthew chapter 7, verse 7, Jesus said, Ask, and it will be given to you. 
Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. Or how about John 15 verse 7 where Jesus said, If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. Or how about 1 John chapter 5 verse 14 where it says, This is the confidence that we have toward him, that if we ask anything in his name, he hears us. See, the same offer that God made to Solomon is the one that he has made to you and to me. What an incredible opportunity that is. Let me ask you, what will you do with that opportunity? I imagine if I would tell you, Solomon was given this opportunity and, and if I told you, well, here's how the story ended. Solomon was like, okay, yeah, thanks, cool. Maybe later I'll get around to it. You'd be like, what a foolish thing to do. He's been offered anything. He's been offered that he can come to God and ask for anything he wants. And yet how many of us respond in a similar way? We've been offered this incredible gift. How foolish would it be for us to not take advantage of this opportunity? So let me ask you this. How will you take advantage of this opportunity that God has offered you to ask for anything you want? What will you ask for? A new car, a new job, success, good health, financial prosperity. You can ask for any of those things, but let me show you what Solomon asked for. It says in verse 7, Solomon said, Oh Lord, my God, you made me king, even though I'm just a little child. I don't even know how to come in and go out. And he says, you've made me the king over this great people who are so many Give me, therefore, an understanding mind that I might govern them and discern between good and evil. So Solomon, what he's asking for is wisdom so he can lead the people well. He says in verse 7, I am but a little child. Now, as I mentioned to you earlier, Solomon was not a, an actual child at this time, right? He already had a one-year-old son. He's already been married at least two times, right? He's a young adult. So when he says, I am a little child, it's really a poetic way of him expressing his inadequacy for this great task of leadership that he's faced with and this calling to be king. And you have to appreciate Solomon's humility here, right? Solomon is admitting that he doesn't have what it takes to do this job, but he knows that God is able to fill up what is lacking in him and give him what he needs in order to fulfill this calling. You know, sometimes you'll hear people say, God will never give you more than you can handle. And you say, oh, good. God will never give me more than I can handle. And then all of a sudden, God does give you more than you can handle. And you're like, wait a second. I thought God would never give me what I, uh, more than I can handle. Friends, I hope you know, that's not like a promise from the Bible, that God will not give you more than you can handle. There are going to be many situations in your life where you feel that you are way in over your head, that God has dealt you a hand that you are not equipped to deal with. But I want to tell you the good news. You will never face a situation in your life that, that is too big for God to handle. You will never face a situation in your life that is too big for God to handle. And God's promise to you is not that he won't ever give you something you can't handle. His promise to you is this, that if you take his hand and walk with him, then no matter what challenges you face, he will be with you and he will give you the strength to walk through even the most difficult situations with him. Hi everyone, Pastor Nick here from Whitefields Church in Longmont, and we are excited to announce the Northern Front Range Calvary Chapel Men's Conference taking place on May 19th and 20th, hosted at Whitefields Community Church. This year's theme is A New Man from Colossians chapter 3, verse 10. We'll begin the conference on Friday, May 19th at 6.30 p.m. with a time of worship, 
teaching, and fellowship, and will end on Saturday early afternoon with a steak lunch. The cost is $25 per person. Speakers include Eric Cartier, Paul Boutan, Randy Golden, and spaces are limited, so register soon at whitefieldschurch.com under events. We look forward to seeing you there. Now back to today's message. You see, those situations that are too much for us to handle, in a way, it's good. It's good for us. It's healthy. It's needed for us because those are the times when we really grow. Why? Because those are the situations which force us into a place of dependence on God. They force us into a place of seeking him for guidance and help and provision. Those are the situations that drive us to God and make us cling to him. And it's because God loves you, in fact, it is because he loves you that he will allow situations into your life that are more than you're cut out to handle. Why? In order to make you aware of your need for him and in order to drive you to him. Solomon realized here that he didn't have what it took to fulfill this task, so he asked God for wisdom. In fact, what he asked for literally, he says, give your servant an understanding mind, right? Literally, what it says here is give me an Give me an, a hearing heart. That's what it means in Hebrew. Give me a hearing heart, a heart that listens to God and understands. He wants not just knowledge. He wants wisdom. He wants understanding to know how to act in practical situations. It's been said that knowledge means knowing that a tomato is a fruit, but wisdom is not putting a tomato in a fruit salad, right? So there's the, there's the difference right there. Solomon understands that a key component of leadership is having the wisdom and the discernment to deal with difficult, complicated situations. And so Solomon realizes what he lacks. He comes to God asking for wisdom and discernment so he can be the best king he can possibly be. And now we see the response of God, our final point here. God was pleased with Solomon asking for this, and he granted Solomon's request. At the end of the chapter, we're given a, an example of Solomon's great wisdom. We can read it together, starting there in verse 16. It says that two women came one day and stood before the king. And the one woman said, O Lord, this woman and I, we live in the same house. And I gave birth to a child while she was in the house. And on the third day after I gave birth, this woman also gave birth, right? So two babies. She says, we were alone. No one was in the house with us. Only the two of us were there. And this woman's son died in the night because she lay on him. So she arose at midnight, took my son from beside me while your servant slept and laid him at her breast and laid her dead son at my breast. When I rose in the morning to nurse my child, behold, he was dead. But when I looked at him closely, I realized um, that he was not the child I had born. But the other woman said, no, the child is mine. The dead child is yours. The first said, no, the dead child's yours. The living child is mine. Thus they spoke before the king. So it's one person's word against the other. How can you possibly know? The king said, this one says, my son is alive and your son is dead. The other one says, no, your son is dead. My son is the living one. And the king said, bring me a sword. You can imagine the people that must have been so nervous when he said, bring me a sword. What's he going to do? And so a sword was brought to the king. The king says, now divide the child in two and give half to one and half to the other. Simple, simple solution, right? Says the one woman whose son was alive said to the king, because her heart yearned for her son, 
O my Lord, give her the living child. By no means put him to death. But the other one said, Well, he'll either be mine nor your, neither be mine nor yours, divide him. The king answered and said, Give the living child to the first woman, and by no means put him to death. She is his mother. And all Israel heard of the judgment that the king had rendered. And they stood in awe of the king because they perceived the wisdom of God was in him to do justice. So Solomon was faced with a difficult, maybe even an impossible situation to figure out. He acts wisely in a way that reveals who the true mother was because the true mother loved the child more than she loved herself. How does all of this apply to us? Well, first of all, God has not only invited us to ask for whatever we want, but he has offered us his wisdom in Jesus. In James 1 verse 5, we're told this, If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God who gives generously to all without reproach, and it will be given to him. So in the situations that you face in life, I guarantee there are times when you need wisdom. Whether it's in your job, whether it's in your family, you need wisdom to navigate situations because not all situations are black and white, right? Sometimes you can't see what will be the long-term repercussions of going in one direction versus another. And so we need God's divine wisdom. And the good news is that the same offer that was made to Solomon has been made to us as well in Jesus. In order to receive it, what do we need to do? We need to humbly ask and admit that we need help. But what I really want to talk to you about today is this. You know, there's a greater, there's a more important application to all of this than just the fact that God offers us wisdom, which alone is great. But guys, check this out. In the Gospel of Luke, chapter 11, verse 31, Jesus said something incredible. He was talking to Jewish people. Now keep in mind, for the Jewish people, Solomon is their national pride. He's their hero. He led Israel during his golden age, the great empire. He was famous for his wisdom. People came from all over the world to hear his wisdom. And Jesus looked at these Jewish people and said, you know how people from all over the world used to come to hear Solomon? Well, behold, someone greater than Solomon is here standing before you today. What a bold move, right? What a bold thing to say. What a bold way to describe yourself to Israelite people. You know Solomon? Well, I am greater than Solomon. And here in this text, right, Solomon was known for his wisdom. Jesus is saying, you know the wisdom of Solomon? My wisdom is greater still. But you know what? It goes beyond that. In Colossians chapter 2, verse 3, it says this, that in Jesus are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. Solomon may have had a great measure of God's wisdom, but Jesus possesses all of God's wisdom. But that's not all. There's more, guys. In 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 24, Paul is contrasting the wisdom of this world, which is not really wisdom, and the wisdom of God, which sometimes seems like foolishness to the world. And he concludes that section by describing Jesus in this way. He says that God has given us Jesus, who is the power of God and the wisdom of God. Jesus is the wisdom of God made manifest, personified with feet on, right? The wisdom of God made manifest for us. And you say, oh, cool. Okay, cool, right? Like, I get it. Like, Jesus was smart and he knew lots of stuff, right? No, no, no. It's much bigger and much better than that. Let me explain. In the book of Proverbs, it describes, it's a book all about wisdom, right? 
but it describes wisdom in several parts as a person, a person who speaks and calls out, but not just a person who speaks. In Proverbs chapter 8, go ahead and read it. It says this, that this wisdom of God that is personified, it's a person who existed before the world was created. And it is through this person, wisdom, that those things that are created were created. And this person, wisdom, cries out to people in the streets to forsake folly, to turn to him and be saved. In fact, listen to what it says in Proverbs, Proverbs 8, verses 35 and 36. Whoever finds me finds life and obtains favor from the Lord. But he who fails to find me injures himself, and all who hate me love death. The Gospel of John begins with these words. In the beginning was the Word, and, in the, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God, and all things were made through him, and without him nothing was made that was made. Sounds a lot like Proverbs chapter 8, doesn't it? It is, and here's why. That word that's translated word, you'll notice in your Bibles, it's capitalized. Why? Here's why. Because for the Greeks, that word in Greek is the word logos. And logos for the Greeks meant something more than just a word on a page. No, the idea of logos was this idea of the wisdom behind the universe. Some people in our day and age, right, they call it a higher power. So what is he saying? He's saying, hey, you know how you guys believe that there's a higher power, that there's some kind of force behind the universe, some kind of wisdom that holds the universe together and created everything? Well, I'm here to tell you today that wisdom is a person. That wisdom is God, and that wisdom is a person named Jesus Christ. He came to this earth. He is the wisdom of God, the wisdom that created the world, the wisdom that sustains your life. And he says in verse 12 that that wisdom Jesus, he came to us. The wisdom of God came to us. His name is Jesus. And to all who receive him, who believe on his name, he gave them the right to be called the children of God. You see, friends, just like Solomon realized that there was something that he lacked, there was something that he needed from God. He had the humility to admit his need and to ask God to fill up what was lacking in him and meet the need that he had. We too have a need for God's wisdom. In fact, we need his wisdom for something more than just making the right decisions at work and at home. We need the wisdom of God, the wisdom that created the world, the wisdom of God that saves fools from their folly. We we need the wisdom of God that, like the baby in this story, right, that saves us from being handed over to Satan and facing the sword of judgment. We need the wisdom of God that can save us from the crouching sins in our lives because of our divided hearts. And the good news is that God not only offers us wisdom to fulfill the callings he gives us, but much more than that, God has provided his wisdom in a person, Jesus Christ. And like the mother in this story that we read, God is the true father who loved us more than he loved his own life. He sacrificed himself for you in love to save you from the sword of judgment. See, Jesus Christ is the wisdom of God made manifest, the wisdom that created the world, the wisdom that can save your soul and make you a child of God. And he is calling out to you today, inviting you to come to him. And so may you and I May we, like Solomon, recognize 
our desperate need for God's wisdom. And may we have the humility to come to him and receive this gift, the wisdom of God made manifest for us in a person, Jesus Christ, who gave his life for us so that we could become sons and daughters of God. Amen? Please bow your heads with me and let's pray. Lord, we like Solomon recognize that we need your wisdom. Lord, we need ultimately your wisdom, not just to know the right things to do. We need that too. But Lord, we need your wisdom to save us, to save us from the folly of our crouching sins. Lord, to save us from destruction and death. Lord, thank you that the same wisdom of God that created the world, the same wisdom of God that uh, sustains our lives, Lord, you have come to us because you loved us. You've come to us to save us. So Lord, we need that wisdom in every way. Lord, we ask that you would come into our lives. We humble ourselves before you, admit our need for you. Lord, thank you for what you have done on the cross. Thank you that you have given yourself for us to save us from the sword of judgment by taking it yourself. We humbly accept and receive by faith that gift of the gospel. And we ask that as we go forth from this moment, Lord, help us to live in light of this radical truth by your wisdom for your glory. We pray in Jesus' name. You've been listening to Be Set Free, the radio outreach of Whitefields Community Church in Longmont, Colorado. We have two in-person services on Sunday mornings at 9.15 and 11 a.m. And both services are live streamed on our website for those who would like to worship with us online. We are located just east of County Line Road and Highway 119 at 2950 Colorful Avenue in Longmont. For more information or to hear other messages from Pastor Nick, visit us online at whitefieldschurch.com. Be Set Free is a listener-supported program. If you have been blessed by this message and would like to support this ministry, you can send a donation via check to 2950 Colorful Avenue, Longmont, Colorado, 80504, or donate online at besetfreeradio.com. If you would like to support Be Set Free Radio or the ministry of Whitefields Church in Longmont with a donation, you can send a check to 2950 Colorful Avenue, Longmont, Colorado, 80504, or give a financial gift online at whitefieldschurch.com.